Welcome to the Holistic High Performance Podcast with your host, Daniel Christofferson. Today's guest on the show is Sam Cunliffe. At age 10, he set a world record in the long jump. From there, he went on to play basketball and graduated from Rainier Beach High School here in Seattle, Washington, ranked one of the top 30 high school basketball players in the country. Went on to a multitude of colleges, was state player of the year his senior year in high school, averaging about 27 points. He comes from a big family of very successful athletes. His dad's a professional coach, and I'm just really welcome to have him on the show. Sam and I started working together about seven years ago. It feels like (laughs) he's been part of my family forever. Um, So welcome to the show, Sam. Grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you. That introduction was beautiful, by the way. You made me sound... Awesome. You are awesome. So, <laughs> Thank you. I'm just curious. I mean, you've your, your whole family is a sporting family. Tell me what that was like growing up for you. Everything was fast paced. You know, there was not a much, much slowing down going on. There wasn't, there, you know, and everything has its good and bad. Um, so, definitely very active. Took our body serious. So, there's just a lot of competing though. And competing sometimes branched out into different areas of just the daily life. So that was a struggle and challenge, but I think it kept us active and kind of kept our minds off maybe some other things that were going on. So your parents had nine children. Yep. Nine. You were the only son. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. People always ask me about that. Like, Uh oh, what was it like? And I'm like, well, I... (laughs) That's all I do. That's how you grew up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think um, having all sisters, when I'm asked that now, when I answer that question, I say, well, I definitely feel I have much more patience for women and might be a little more tapped into my feminine side (laughs) because it's so normal to me. So, Uh yeah. Now, your dad was a or is a professional running Mm -hmm. coach and Mm -hmm. had a team. And I know he kind of trained a lot of you guys too early on. Uh, yeah. You know, what's funny is people, a lot of people who know him now and experience him in their daily life now only kind of know him as that. But I actually remember Michael Cunliffe, the software developer who just drank beers at the bar with his buddy, like everybody else. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't until me and Hannah got older, so probably like 10 or 11, that he actually started doing that more. Yep. And just the way he is, when he starts doing something, he's going to take it as far as he can take it. And so once he started getting good enough at that to get paid, that's when people might come with the track coach started coming. But, you know, I've seen the whole evolution of that guy just doing regular training, like not knowing anything. So it's been, it's been fun for me to see that and also, you know, reap the benefits of having a dad who's that knowledgeable. So. Yeah. And really invested in you. And I mean, he's invested in, uh, you know, all of your careers and athletics or sports or the arts or whatever it is um, yeah. with you and all of your siblings. Yeah. He's very invested almost sometimes to a fault, I would say, uh-huh. where he neglects himself. I, I'm, I'm definitely at the space for him. Like, dude, you did a good job. You did a really good job. Pat yourself on the back. You know, your work's kind of over as far as I feel like parenting your kids. I, like, you know, now yeah. just, you know, and so he, I can see him kind of transitioning into that, which is seeing him do other things. It's fun for me. And it's also kind of a shock. So, yeah. You know, just kind of been dealing with that too. So tell me when you started playing basketball. Playing, playing. Well, so I've, I've always been obsessed with Michael Jordan. Okay. My dad got me some Michael Jordan kicks when I was like two. 
So uh, knowing, especially with me and you know now that just being around that energy or around mm -hmm. seeing that visually is going to, you know. So I started, you know, doing my little plan with the little hoop and shooting hoops when I was like two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then me and Hannah were really fast. So we started running track. So I played basketball just as like a side hobby. When I'd go home, I'd dribble around, but I never really took it serious, serious. And then after I won the national championship when I was 11 years old, I was like, this is the long jumping champion. Yeah. And I was just like, this is it. Like I, 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 I'm the top of the world right now. Like, you know, this is like my mountaintop. And so uh, you had success really at a really young age. Yeah. Like, dude, think about, I mean, it's funny. I think about it now and just being on this podcast, it's like, cause I wanted to win it when I was eight. Okay. Cause I started running track competitively when I was eight. And even those track meets, man, there's 20,000 athletes. Stands are filled. People are watching you. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Junior Olympics. And so I'm like, went, lose it my when I'm eight. I lose it when I'm nine. You know, I lose it when I'm ten, and then I finally win it when I'm eleven. You know, it was like this three, four year journey that most people go through like much later in life. Right. And so I, it's like I I conquered this profession at eleven, and I'm like, I want to do something else. You know, so from eleven on, basketball every day. Okay, basketball every day competitively, but I've always at a young age been drawn and attracted to it, but really just dialed in my focus solely on that after my 11 year old summer so you when you say every day what does that mean i mean was that just in your garage was oh. that was that you know at oh. the gym was that with a coach you remember was that on a team <laughs> you remember it was it was bus pass in one hand basketball in another gym to gym to gym to gym to gym to gym wherever i could play wherever i could go um and just this place bas basketball in seattle is such a rich tradition so just being a part of that and evolving around that. So if you weren't in school, you were pretty much on the court or yes. seeking food because you were always hungry. Always hungry. Yes. <laughs> always hungry. Always looking for a court. Always looking for something to do <laughs> and never could really sit still. So you had this freedom to go find these basketball courts and playing and you weren't just playing with people your own age. No, 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 no. It, it didn't matter how old you were. Who you were, who you thought you were, I was going to get on that court and I was going to play and I was going to measure up. And yeah, like I said, the competitive nature that I talked about that had kind of started in my household just kind of branched off into my own world where I'm like, all right, I'm measuring up against you, you, you. It was all ages, all types, all courts, it, you know, so it's, I've had, that's been fun. That was fun. Now that I'm thinking about it too. So, so you became pretty good pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to play high school mm -hmm. basketball. Yeah. And tell me about that journey because it was a journey. Yeah. You started out at O'Day High School. Yeah. I started out at O'Day, all boys school, which was the polar opposite of what I grew up in, all women. Then it goes straight back to all, you know, straight to all boys. So, it's, I'm learning how to be around, you know, all guys all the time. And that was its own thing. I, I don't know if I was so fond of that experience. It felt very just... Just all that masculine, <laughs> there's no balance, yeah. you know? So, I kind of got tired of that kind of quick. So, I went to Blanchette, which was really, really like fun. It was really fun. It was more of a enjoyment feel to yeah, it. Because of the transfer, you weren't able to play your right, sophomore year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See, even I forgot about that. I wasn't able to play. So, I kind of got to enjoy high school. So, you, you were part of the team, but yeah. you, you were... You, you weren't able to play due to regulations, right? Um, which was frustrating for you, I know, to sit there and watch your teammates all be out there on the court. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I had my fair share of sit outs. Yeah. And then, so the next year you were able to play 
Mm-hmm. And tell me about that, your junior year playing basketball. Yeah. I felt like that was my like coming out year. You remember? Yeah. I averaged like 22 points as a junior. Like we had been in some really close games with some really big teams. I had stood out. And then that's when I was kind of. People were noticing you. Yeah. Yeah. People were noticing me. People were like, oh, this kid's really good. He's one of the top players in the state. He's a junior. Da, 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 da. And then people started to seek after me because they're like, well, what is he doing at Bishop Blanchett? You know, and I'm just like, well, you know, that's where I'm at. And then that's when the whole Rainer Beach thing kind of happened. And then that transition just seemed to have made more sense. So I feel like. Tell I, us about Rainier Beach and because there's a rich basketball tradition in Seattle and Rainier Beach is a public high school. Mm-hmm. And what's the division? 3A. 3A. And 3A in basketball is the top here. The top. 4A is more football. 3A for basketball is the top here because it's more of the inner city schools. Um, But yeah, no, basketball. Big inner city schools. Yeah. Man, Rainier Beach. So, people don't realize is I actually ran track for Rainier Beach Trap Club. That was the first place I had ever been exposed to competitive sports. Okay. was there. That same track that I ended up going to high school at. So You kind of came full circle. Yeah. Everything's come full circle for me, man. Like. It's just synchronicity and all that. It's crazy. You're in school. You're playing basketball all the time. Yeah. You know, and just summer comes and you're off flying around the country going to camps and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bigger, bigger people are looking at you and noticing you. All this attention, just like constant showering of like, I feel like that's kind of what I was going after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talked about earlier, just me and you about attaching to things and I feel like I was... I had attached this idea that once I was acknowledged for how good I was, then, you know, I'd feel something and I just didn't. And it put a lot of pressure. I know at one point you had your, you had to change phone numbers because so many people were contacting you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Everything was blowing up for you. And I'm like, I don't want this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want this. Like, oh. You knew you wanted to go to the NBA. Right. And there was a process to get there. Right. But I feel like I didn't actually ever acknowledge the other side of the coin, which is like, we're always so focused on like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get these offers. I'm going to get all these people calling me, these coaches and these reporters. And then it's like, you get that and you're like, wait, where's my time? Where's my freedom? You know? So, Uh I was in that in that summer and then- I started school at Rainier Beach because remember, I transferred halfway through my year at Blanchette. Yeah. So, I did half my junior year at Beach and then my senior year. And that was just a complete shift. I'm going from, you know, North Seattle, private school, Laurelhurst area kids to the lower income, harder area. And I'm just like, I had already been around that, a lot of my friends. So, I just like go from like one, like I always go from one end to the other, Uh you know? And then being in that was a great environment and playing basketball there. And there's, yeah, there's a lot that goes in with Rainier Beach. You would have to ask me specifics (laughs) as far as it comes to that. I could talk. You got playing time. You were a star, stand out on the court. You had a great group of teammates that you were playing with that Mm -hmm. year. Tell us about what your season looked like. Yeah, up and down. There's a lot, there was a lot of strong personalities on that team. A lot of a lot of egos, you know. So you had to get a lot of people to try to connect. And um, it took us the whole year, all the way up till the state playoffs, before we finally got some collective consciousness where we're like, we're gonna do this, and we're just gonna ride it out. But every other game, you didn't know what was gonna happen. So it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions that's what i'd say challenging time i mean you're all trying to individuate you're all trying to be the standout so college recruiters are looking at you yep but it's a team sport and you have to play together Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, it, it, trying to figure that out. And Most teams in high school have one star. We had like four. So we're like, who's going to who's gonna sacrifice, you know? And so... You were one of the top 20 players in the Metro Yeah, so I'm like, it's not going to be me, you know? So <laughs> I, I think I worked on like five of the top 20 players that year yeah. for the Seattle Metro Area Basketball You probably... Area. Yeah. yeah. You worked on everybody. <laughs> everybody would be like, I saw Dan and I'd be like, not news to me. Like, you know, somebody else <laughs> saw Dan that I don't know about. You know, it's funny. It's funny people have been through here. Yeah. So you were able to go to the state championship. Yeah. And you, win it. And you guys won, which is a big deal. Yeah. But that would be like, that'd be like a hot air balloon of stress just got hot. And you're just like, Whew. and then the next challenge was waiting for the schools to let you know where you're going to go to college. And tell me about that process a little bit. I actually did that my junior year. Do you remember? Okay. I got very tired of it quick. Uh-huh. So, I went with the first person who I felt like was genuine and true because everybody else, I was just like, man, I'm done. I can't answer phones anymore. Committing today. And uh, that was when I did Arizona State. And that was amazing, to say the least. So- I, I did that my – committed my junior year. Okay. Of high school. So I played my whole senior year already knowing where I was going to go. I mean, my the coach for Arizona State was at my games. So that pressure had kind of died off because I knew there's no way I would have been able to handle both. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to be like on the phone all day and going to practice and, and it would have just – I would have blew out. I had to offload something so I could – So you made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so tell us about your time at Arizona State. It was fun. You're away from home. Yes. Yes. On your own. You got a team. Yeah. Away from home. Yeah. 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 Away, being away from home. Uh, let's see. That was the first time it was kind of like, ah, the world. <laughs> you know, there's no camp home base to go back to, to be told what to. You're just kind of out here, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, being in Arizona, being in the, the, the sun was another polar opposite change for me. Mm-hmm. So, I went down there and did that. And that was a really good experience. There was a lot of growth fast during that time because, like I said, I'm living by myself, really, mm-hmm. you know, and making my own thoughts, choices, and decisions. And so, it was quite the time. And then out of that, you decided that wasn't the right program for you? Yeah. At that time, maybe a little prematurely, maybe not so purely decided Okay. on why I made that choice, but... What was your motivation? I mean, because you were really like, hey, I'm I'm going to be the one and done guy. I'm I like, was killing I, it too, if you, you really you, look back at it. Yeah, but I think you kind of had a belief that you, know, you were going to show up your freshman year and you were going to get recruited for the NBA and be and on I your was, way. I was. That was a crazy thing. Because I really was. Uh-huh. But it was like, I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Like, I was so busy looking at what I wasn't getting uh-huh. that I just couldn't see that everything that I wanted was right in front of my face. I just wasn't ready to receive it uh-huh. from my personal perspective. So, you know, I, I actually, people tell me now all the time, four years later that, hey man, we were going to draft you this, that, that, then the other. And I'm like, ah, you know, I wasn't ready. So, um, what, I, what about, what about that? Why don't you think you were ready? Oh, I just think that it wasn't enough of my own influence in my life. I was being very influenced by other people's expectations. And their wants for me to get their emotional needs met through me, if that makes sense. That gets a little deep, but uh, <laughs> tell yeah. Me, tell me more about it. So, mm. you didn't know yourself well enough. Yes. So, so, your parents have an influence here. Yeah. Your coaches have an influence. 
It can be anything. I, yeah. I, I personally the, the press. I mean, when you get blown up and you're in the press and commentators are talking about you and those kind of things. Yeah. I just feel like, how do I put this? Like people, just people around me, not, not necessarily in a bad way, were pushing their opinion on me so much that it, it, it actually became my own. I didn't actually draw a boundary or a barrier between this is what I think and this is what they think. I was just kind of open in a way where I wanted to adopt somebody else's story to offload the responsibility of the decision because I'm being faced with a decision. Like, should I stay here or should I go? Uh And I just didn't feel like it was much of mine at the time, which it was my decision to allow that. Yeah. But we always have choice. And just whether we, whether we, think we do, do or, or not. not. Exactly. How do we exercise those choices? The prison is actually stories that the bars are stories that we get molded and sculpted when we're younger. I mean, we have our family, yeah. our religion, our socioeconomic, you know, the community of people that we go in, education. I mean, all of those people kind of externally tell us who we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ideally, you know, growing up, we would get encouraged to be all of who we are and, you know, develop that sense of internalness. Yes. But, Agreed. Uh, but it takes a long time to kind of break free of that sculpting and those beliefs and those ideas yeah. to really discover who we are. And yeah. so, and it's all part of the journey. Yeah. So your journey took you to Arizona. Uh, yeah. You kind of pretty quickly left there and made a decision to move to Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Really good program there. Uh, and you transferred mid-year again, so you were going to be eligible partly yep. through the next year. Yep. Got there, was sitting behind a bunch of NBA players. And so, I expected my expect my expectations for myself. I think it's good to have high expectations for yourself. And I think your expectations for yourself should be somewhat unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, if you ask for way more than everybody else wants – even if you get a little bit less, you're going to still end up with more than the person who only asked for a little. Yeah, true. Very true. I just think where I'm different now is I expect a lot, but I don't attach to the outcome. Okay. Does that make sense? So, yeah. I'm, I don't- So, you made a transfer. You had some expectations. Yeah, I had some high expectations at Kansas where I'm like, okay, I'm going to come in and this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to the NBA from here in, in half a season. And then I was like- well, I, I actually wasn't really doing much to also fuel that vision either. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just kind of something I would say, then put off to the side. And there's a lot that goes into that. But I really kind of lost basketball there. I didn't really play basketball, not in my free time. The only time I played basketball was when I had to go to practice. Okay. Um, Which is very different than the Sam I very know, who different. always had a basketball in very his hand different. and was either coming from or going to playing basketball. Yeah, because... I'm not playing much in the games. I'm one of the top guys, but the all everybody on the team was top five in the country. Uh-huh. Every single person. So there's only seven guys that are going to play, and there's 13 of you. Yep. You know what I mean? And so you're really. Competing. So you thought you were in a big fish. Yeah. And it's like. Because <laughs> you'd been used to being a big fish in a little pond in a lot right. of places. And all of a sudden, you know. You're on a team with all these other big things. Right. And that's when the partying and the drugs and the trying to escape and the drinking all kind of kicked in. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know, kind of going through that Kansas experience was like, dude, I don't even like basketball. (laughs) So, I left because I'm like, you know, I don't even know if I really want to. And a lot of people don't realize that the truth behind that was I was transferring from Kansas, but I was also kind of like, eh. I'm good. 
you know, like I don't even want to play. Like I'll do something else. I'm more than capable. I know when I saw you at the end of that year, you were actually really looking forward to going back because some of those big fish were leaving and mm-hmm. the ne- you thought the next year was going to be your year, mm-hmm. that you were going to get a start, that, mm-hmm. you know, and then sometime in the course of a few weeks after I saw you, all of a sudden you were transferring well, I had again. Gone, yeah, I had gone back and I was performing well. Yeah. And really well. Like yeah. I could And so, I had really worked again to show and then my coach acknowledged it but basically said it wasn't enough because of other reasons for, oh, this guy's a high recruit. We're going to give him a chance over you. Da, da, da. So, I'm just like, okay. Well, somebody else took the spot that they that kind of was to there get. for me. Yeah. And so, I was like, all right, you know, well, I, I'm out, you know. And then it wasn't, it wasn't really an impulsive. I, I talked to the coach and gone over all that. Mm-hmm. So, it was very civil and good. And then, you know, I just left and decided to just kind of like fine basketball again. I just started just playing for fun. When I came, I came back home after that and I would just go to courts and places and I just want to play. I just want to play. That's it. You know, don't, don't get me to do anything. Like I don't want to run your, and then yeah, that's- once again, you're not just playing with people off the street. I mean, like these are ex NBA players you're, right. you're going up against and people right. in town and yeah. And I'm doing ex- more than exceptionally well. So I know that my talent and my ability is still there, but like why was I doing it? And all those things were still very unclear. And so, I guess I kind of had to go to another school to figure that out. So, tell me about your time at Evansville. Yeah. I went to University of Evansville solely because the coach that was hired there was named Walter McCarty. He was from there. He was coaching for the Celtics. It just made a lot of sense. So, I went and it was different. It was a small school Mm -hmm. in a place I hadn't been in a much different environment, socially, economically, all that. So, I was kind of somewhere dropped by myself again and I learned a lot. I tell us some of the things you learned there because you had some big awakenings, man, during that year. I mean, not just on the court, but I mean, yeah, in your studies too. Yeah, man, I just, just like finding myself. I like, I was so isolated that when, when I ran out of things to distract myself, you're just left. That's it. With you, you have to deal. And with the things that made me who I am, why, why am I miserable? Because yeah. I was miserable at that time. Yeah. I got three different coaches during that year. For people who don't know, I went from Kansas to Evansville, sat out another year, I sat out another year, and then played last year. Mm-hmm. And so that sit out year was very dark because I'm not, I'm also not playing. So I'm in, the, you know, I'm, I'm some random place not playing. And then, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I got a deal. I got, there's something that has to be happening because I got very low, very miserable, very fast. And I just kind of started reevaluating my base of what do I actually care about? Like, what do I want? Like, what is happiness? Like, what is that? What does that feel like? Can uh-huh. you stay there? Is that a place you can go? Is that, you know, is all these like big questions that I feel like we're asked when we're young. And then once we're told what they are, we're just kind of like, ah, you know, I really we went- stop the process of learning and growing because yeah. we, we go, oh, I know that already. And our, we move on to the next thing. Right. And I, so, I went back and like reevaluated all of those. And midway through last year, when all that chaos was going on with coaches being fired and stuff like that, I I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to get back to just having fun and not really listening to what anybody else says about myself or my life. I'm just going to do, and I actually believe now that I can choose to be happy in any situation, that it's just how I choose to perceive it. So, even in the midst of that awful year. I started to actually find happiness and peace. 
And then when the year was over. How did that translate onto the court for you? Oh, man. I mean, like my numbers went from, so the beginning of the year, that first coach was there, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing very well. Then he got fired. And then we had another coach. In those 10 games, he was the head coach. I was doing awful. And then this new coach came and I actually sparked a very good relationship with him quick. So those next 10 games were very good. And I started picking up and having fun and doing really well. And um, then coronavirus, big, big COVID. Yep. You can find out more about the Holistic High Performance and sign up for our monthly newsletter at holistichighperformance.com. That's holistichighperformance.com. So you guys didn't, you didn't, did you finish the season or? Yeah, we did. Barely. Just barely. barely. Like one day, our last game that we played was like March 3rd. Okay. And then like March 5th, the whole world was just over. Everything shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I I was in Colorado at that time. And that's when the awakening really happened for me after coronavirus. After, I mean, I'm sorry, after the lockdowns after lockdown. started. Because then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, like this all can really be taken away. Yeah. You know, like sports could be taken away. Mm-hmm. Basketball, you know. And you'd built your identity around yeah. being a basketball player. Yeah. And if you don't have your identity anymore, what happens? Like, what am I? Like, what am I doing? So, I'm like, <laughs> I remember like sitting there and I'm like just looking at my phone and I'm like, you know, all these rules and regulations, lockdown, da, da, da. And I'm like, holy crap, man. What if we can't play basketball again? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And so, that was a lot. For me. So, so how did you how did you overcome that? What yeah. Did you, how did you get out of that? Because in the past, when this has happened, you yeah. went into a deep depression kind of thing. You, as you said, you did some drugs. You, yeah. You know, kind of went down a different hole. Escape. So, an escape. So yeah. you've got different choices now. <laughs> well, there was nowhere to go, Dan. <laughs> like literally and metaphorically. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Like where are you going to go? Like everything shut down. So you're just like sitting in your house. And at that time I was dating someone and that was great. And sharing that lockdown experience was awesome. But still at that same time, losing your identity about what you actually go out and do in the day, because how I started to view that was like, holy, 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 holy crap. (laughs) These jobs that we have, these professions, they're not real. Yeah. If you really think about it, they are, but they aren't. It's just something that you go, that you go partake in. But if there's a pandemic or the financial system shuts down, then you, that's no longer needed. So, yeah. you know, what how, What would you do? Like how if, if everything shut down, if all systems yeah. and you were just left here in the world, what would you do? And that question was very scary. Something I didn't even want to think about because I'm like, well, I don't know. Like I haven't done anything else. Like I haven't done anything else besides basketball. So, I can't do anything else. So, I, I must just let that go. Yep. And as the lockdowns kept going and going and going and going. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to play basketball regardless if it exists or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cause this ball exists. Yep. You've had your existential crisis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this ball exists. I am more than just basketball. If I, if I <laughs> more than just a basketball player. Right. If I, I don't get to do this. Right. So I'm like, but this ball's still here. So I will hold on to this. Uh-huh. I know it's going to happen again someday. So I'm just going to these outdoor courts and I have a dog. 
closest thing I am closest to in this world. So me and my dog are just going out every day and just going to different parks, different places. I'm door dashing. I'm pulling over on the side of the road, dribbling my basketball for my pure enjoyment all uh-huh. alone. And so it's kind of back to full circle in a way because, you know, that young kid that I yeah. first met in 2013, yeah. I mean, you used to lie on my table and like literally be dribbling while you were sitting there. Like you were, I could tell you were like playing moves, yeah. even when you weren't playing basketball. Yeah. You know, you'd walk out of here and you'd be, you know, shuffling back and forth and dribbling and going past the poles and jumping. imagining and <laughs> Get your bounce, getting your bounce back. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, man, like this is fun, you know? And so then I was like, okay, now I'm able to go a little step deeper than just, I need to do this. Who am I? Yeah. You know? And then the person who I was dating at the time, we had went through a breakup. By the way, healthiest breakup I've ever witnessed in my life. She came to me, was very honest about the way she felt. I was honest about the way I felt. There was no abuse, no tantrum. It was just... And then I'm really left alone because my identity was also caught in the relationship, right? So now I'm like, okay, that's another piece of myself that I have to find. And so that was a very emotional time. That was a week of just straight raw emotions coming up. It was like a flood. You know, it was just like nothing I can do. I'm just crying. I'm just, ah, oh, this is this big six, eight guy, just, ah, like, you know, losing my mind. <laughs> and then I just like a week went by and I just felt so at peace. Like I didn't feel bitter with her. I didn't feel any type of a resentment. I was like, but I didn't know why I felt that. Mm-hmm. So I had felt these feelings of like, dude, why am I not like mad? Like, why do I not want to, you know, try to like reel this person back in? And so I actually needed an answer for that. I felt like I need an answer as to why I'm at peace. So what did you do? So then I I reached out to a holistic coach. It's very similar to you, Dan. It's very ironic and started looking for answers. But what was very interesting was, is I wasn't being told. Mm-hmm. I was just being asked and what I thought I was going to do was call somebody and be like, this is the answer and go about your merry way. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, you know, this is how it's been. This is what life. I'm conditioned to. Yeah. Like, call it dad. Yo, call it mom. The, the wonderful thing about questions is that they do open us up. They kind of all those closed circles, all those beliefs that we hold. If, yeah. we, if we question them, then we start that process again. And mm-hmm. you know we get it. We get to reevaluate life. We get to make. Then at that point, you become a choice. You're mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. acting from those underlying ways that we've been sculpted. Those underlying belief yeah. systems. Those underlying values that have been instilled in us. But we actually start to get to make choices about where do I want to go. Yeah, I feel like the questions drop down the defensiveness. It's like when somebody asks you a question, your ego really just really lets go. And um, so this guy's asking me like just questions about. So what this. kind of questions was he asking you? Oh, the first one, the first one. Now anybody can ask himself this. This I ask myself this every morning: is how are you getting your emotional needs met? <laughs> it's a big one because it's like, oh, how am I? You know, and what did what did you come up with? Oh, I, well, I couldn't. I just couldn't answer that. I was trying to, but I couldn't. So I was like, I just need more time. Yep. You know, I, I, I. I Give me a week for that one, bud. Because, and and then when I came back, we we talked in a week. And the thing, other very thing that was very very interesting about this practitioner was it wasn't like okay, let me schedule you. It was like call me when you have time. Yep. And we'll schedule an appointment. And it was very just like free flowing. 
so he's asking me all these questions. How do you get your emotional needs met? You know, and just kind of giving, giving me space to answer with also a phrase I had never heard before. There is no right or wrong answer. And I'm like, "Ah, really? (laughs) You know, I, I had never even grasped the concept of what I could say wasn't right or wrong. It just was. And so that really just boosted me into a place where I'm like, okay, there are questions that I need to ask myself that I just need to deal with. And it was scary. It was scary because I'm thinking like, okay, I've been so attached to this identity. So like, if I let go, where am I going? Yeah. Right. And so I kind of was floating in this space for like a good couple weeks where I'm just super grounding, like I'm super hiking and like super like, I don't really want to be on my phone right now. So you're doing a lot of self-care, a lot yeah. of reflection, a lot of... And like I would go out, I'd go somewhere and somebody would want me to do something or somebody would want to call me or talk to me or or thought they could actually just like own my space. And okay. I And a part of me was like, wait, like, no. And I felt much more comfortable saying no. And that was weird. And so I'm just like going through this whole thing of like actions that are happening without force. I had always been used to change being like something that you just had to grind through where now I felt like something was just operating higher than myself. So synchronicity started to step in. Yes. Yes. Events started to present themselves and yes. you started to have choice and yeah. be able to move through life a little bit more grace and ease. Yeah. And it, and it was almost like, I transitioned from this mindset of I must push through everything to where now I'm just kind of like watching my own movie and I just choose how to experience it, if that makes sense. There's this concept of, you know, we're the main character in our story, but we're also the author of our story. And, you know, we often get wrapped up in much of your story that you just shared was this, you were the main character in your story. Mm-hmm. But you weren't necessarily authoring. You weren't authoring your own story. So I'm going through these events that didn't synchronize with myself. They didn't make me feel full. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting is like I would see myself do something and then look around at the people and 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 see who was who was either happy or not about my decision. And it was funny because I was like, I don't think that these people don't not love me. I don't think that they that they want me to do this because they want me to hurt myself. I just think that for their survival, since they're not owning their experience, they also they try to own mine. And they want you to fit in with their storyline. They've cast you as a character and now you're not being the character in the story that they've cast. And it's disrupting their story. It does. Yes. yes. And people get very, very, very hurt when you disrupt their story. <laughs> it's not. And so, the more aware you become, you're just like, dude. And it's funny because you, you you, know how it is on, on the beginning of your awakening. You're like, why are these people so mad at me? Like, I just want to be, you know. <laughs> it's funny. And it's like, dude, you're just messing with their story. Yeah. Just like you're messing with your own. Right? It's stressful. Yeah. It is stressful. Just like you had, it took you a little while to integrate and come to terms with like, oh, no, (laughs) this person asked me this question and I don't have an answer. (laughs) You know, so it's giving people the grace and the time of like, yeah, I've shifted. I've changed. This is the new place that you can find me. This is my new, my new frequency, my new address. Great point. And, you know, just kind of letting them know like, hey, because sometimes it's stressful for people when they keep looking for you where they thought you were and you're not there anymore. Wow. That'd be enough for a month for me to think about. I just find the universe to be so damn paradoxical, man. It's 
so like just like boom boom and it's like i see how often advertised because you know awakening is almost it's become like corporate corporate now almost to a point where like you're seeing ads for it like how to manifest like how to this is a very new time it is a new almost like a almost like a renaissance type feel yep and i just feel like all of the old systems all of the old ways of being in the world all of this institutions everything has to be reevaluated because the world has shifted you know the, the earth has shifted what you know the environment that we live in has shifted yeah and, so, and we're, we're are we going to shift with it or are we going to fight it and be in resistance yeah and it's like dude i just feel like perfect point man is like to kind of wrap up everything that i've said is like i guess just coming in letting go letting go of what i expect letting go of how i think i want the world to be mm-hmm. or or what i think is best for me and just accepting loving and being grateful for whatever is right now, you know? So some of those choices you've made in last month was you chose not to go back to your senior year. Right. Oh, play basketball. Yeah. Let's talk about that, man, for sure. This is great, by the way. Anybody (laughs) listening? Like I'm so, Dan is awesome, but no. So coronavirus happens, right? I'm living with my ex or whatever. And then we break up, but I continue to live in Colorado because I was training with someone who was like one of my dad's really, really good friends. Mm Mm-hmm. For a long time and he was a track coach and him and my dad, you know, they do kind of the same things and he had dogs. My dog liked it there and, and you know, it just felt comfortable. Like I wasn't ready to just leave. Like I yeah. just, you know, so he was letting me stay there. And so I just golfed. I golfed and I played Frisbee golf mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of time in the sun. And I was like, I just started noticing changes in my body and changes in my mood and how like I was moving to a place of default happiness and I would, and then I would check in with stress mm-hmm. or I would check in with anger where before it was, I'm living in a defaultness of stress and anger and I'll check in with happiness and then I'll be so scared that I'm going to lose it that I'll lose it. And so I'm living in Colorado and I'm just like, no one's calling my phone, you know, coronavirus. So yeah, it's like, I'm sitting here like, dude, this is kind of cool. You know, like, <laughs> like, like everybody's all nervous and scared and I'm not, you know, and I'm just taking my dog to dog parks, going on hikes, mm-hmm. really like had no money, but was happy. And then I get to a place I'm, I'm training still though, every day. And, and it, training for me wasn't how it used to be before it was, it wasn't so systematic. Mm-hmm. It was when I felt like playing basketball, I'll go play. When I feel like working out hard, I'll work out hard. And so, so you're listening to your body a little bit more as opposed to being dictated by a rigid schedule that says, this is what we do. This is what we do. Even though I'm exhausted, I'm still going to go play because it's on my calendar or my coach expects me to. Right. Right. So So I transition into that place. Right. And I go, it's time, you know, I had pretty much been doing the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. And then I reconnected with this girl I had met when I was at Arizona state. So kind of going back circle again. And that's still still here today and been amazing. So I went to Arizona for a little bit, kind of jumped to Seattle, and then boom, it was time to go back to school. So this is we're we're getting up to very recent here. Yep. And it's time to go back to school, and it's just weird. It's just different, mm-hmm. obviously, like for everybody. Yep. And I get back, and no one's on campus, and we're in practice, and you got to be six feet apart from your teammates. They want you to run up and down a court with a mask on, and all these things, you know. And with my new perception 
anything that triggers me throughout the day is just something unhealed mm-hmm. within myself. Just like quickly, just like falling yeah. back into this like, you know, old kind of mindset, old kind of programs, which by the way, I, I think is always good to kind of check back in because you can't know the good without the bad yeah. or the old without the new. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so I'm doing that. And then like, once I came, I was in that for like a couple of weeks, for like a month. I'm back at school. I'm going through practice, training, you know, being kind of pushed back in these old programs of you need to just follow the rules and shut up. Definitely wasn't where I was at at that time. Mm-hmm. If you had been following me, you had seen I was speaking out about every possible thing I could, trying to vocalize my truth. And all these people- Being an activist in the world. Yeah. And all these people here knew it. Yeah. And so they know that when I'm, even if I do have a mask on, they knew that from my own experience, I didn't find the importance, but I I was able to have enough acceptance of self to accept their safety or yep. what they wanted, right? Yep. So I'm wearing a mask, I'm doing all this, I'm going through practice every day, and it just really felt like it wasn't for me. I'm in this place and this place isn't conducive to what I want. Yep. And so I kind of took like a couple days and I met with my coach and I talked to my coach and it was just like, I had felt this like thing on the other side of the wall that was like, hey, like I'm over here, but I couldn't see it. And so like, I would go meditate and like, all right, like what, what is it? You know, what's over there? Breathing, you know, waiting. Breathing, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna drop all the way down to theta for 30 minutes, okay? And then you're gonna appear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Not here, right? So then, then the universe is like, look, dude, you got to make a choice. Are you going to stay at school or are you going to pursue what you really want? No right or wrong answer. There's just going to be new different challenges for either one. So I'm like, yep. you know what? Ah, leap of faith. Boom. So I talk to my coach and I'm like, coach, what do you, what do you think about me? I want the honest truth, you know? And it was a very respectful, honest conversation. He just felt like, I feel like you're a big fish in a small pond. So very. you know like we've been talking about so i'm like okay you know so he's like i just feel like it'd be best for you to move on pro and also i i couldn't see you following all the guidelines we have in place here Mm -hmm. probably very true not because you know i won't acknowledge others experience but i'm just couldn't i couldn't do that to my to myself yeah so i left but you got really big and you went back to a place that wanted you to be small yes there you go there you go and And it didn't fit anymore yeah so you shed that old skin Mm mm-hmm and so tell us what you're growing into here. Yeah, man. So yeah, that, and again, anybody listening, I was a month ago. So this is fresh, fresh, fresh. So I left, dude, straight to Arizona. Sun, give me some sun, you know? And so I'm hanging out with my girlfriend now. I'm just like, no, the only thing that I do know is that my talent and ability is worth millions, billions, okay? Mm-hmm. And my brand, my smile, my everything, right? Yeah. But I'm like... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there like, I'm sitting there in a car in Arizona like, what have I just done? Yeah, like, huh. (laughs) I know where I want to (laughs) go. What's the road forward? There's nothing to attach to. Mm -hmm. It's like two straight weeks, man, of nothing to attach to. You're in the void space. The void space. Perfect way to put it. A place of creation and possibility. The only... The only form of comfort I found was accepting, acknowledging, and loving self. Anything outside of that, when I started thinking about my bills, where I was going to live, what was 
complete chaos. I have no clue. Yeah. yeah. I could be drafted from the Miami Heat all the way to the Portland Trailblazers and anywhere and anywhere in between. So, you know, I I gotta just focus on what I have. So that last those this last month leading up to like right now, I've really, 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 really it's really been hammered home that all that exists is right now. Like that's it. Just right now. And having gratitude and just enjoying your movie. And really believing and knowing that 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 your thoughts and what you say can lead you wherever you want. They'll create your reality. Yeah. It's just the part I had realized is I think people think because we're so happy, you know, that instead it's just like not at all. And it is, but it's not. <laughs> and just learning that and just learning that with everything that you want, you must lose something, you know. So being aware of that and the universe will give you what you want. So don't bite off more than you can chew. You know what I mean? And I'm just in a complete space of, I used to kind of shame myself for my, for my journey because I was very like scrutinized. Like, oh, you can't stay in one place. But I actually got to look at it from a, a different place that I had never looked at it before. Like maybe, maybe I'm just more open to change. Maybe I, part of the programs that were put in me from other people, which manifest in a positive way. Cause I see them as I'm okay with leaving something. Mm-hmm. Now the flip side to that is maybe I leave things too quickly, but just coming to center, like with that balance is some place that I think I'm at now. And I, I don't even know how to describe my life cause I try and they just think I'm on drugs. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm truly not. Like, you know, like I, I wake up every morning and I'm just happy. My experience of you, Sam, which I mentioned earlier when you walked in today was, I mean, you've always been very focused and driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a rigidity to that in a way. And yeah. watching you walk in, it's like you're just open and spacious. And we talked about this a little bit earlier about how you've really connected to your heart space. Yeah. You know, and so it's like you're really you're in your body, you're in your heart, yeah. you know, your mind is open and you're willing to see what unfolds. Yeah. And respond and make choices based on that. Yeah. And I guess something I like wanna share with people is I think a part of me that I maybe could have grasped earlier possibly was it's not about like hearing my story and making it yours. Yeah. You know, it's not about like, oh, this is what Sam has got. You know, it's it's really about seeing that it's possible to do it for yourself, you know, and you can be happy all the time. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It's just all about how you choose to experience it. And just like any habit that you create, you can create the habit of seeing things in a good way and not be so triggered by what happens in your outside world because your inner world is just so at peace. It takes so much to get there. You've taken responsibility for your emotions and that yes. ability to respond. So when something comes in, we always have a choice. If you know, you mentioned being triggered all the time earlier, or yeah. I know in past articles you've talked about, you know, you'd get angry on the court when you made a mistake yes. and you'd throw the ball or you'd do something. Yes. And so you always had a choice in those moments, but sometimes we don't slow down enough in the moment to make the choice, we just react. Yes. And not respond. And not respond. Yes. Yes. Reacting. Yes. Reacting to me is like your your subconscious programs are so in control Yeah, that it's like you'll see people enact things and you'll be like, how could they do that? But I have so much more empathy now for those, for just everyone because I realize that to the level that you've actually checked in and checking in isn't easy. It's not, it's not like people are just neglecting to do it to, to reshape your, 
identity and to reshape your thoughts is one hell of a feat to try to do. And anybody who does it, I'm like, yes, like, yes, like, cause I know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, and, and, and it really is through love. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of growth centered topics in this world are, you gotta go to the gym, you, you know, you, you, you gotta stop smoking, you know, like you gotta. There's a lot of self help, but it's really about, you know, they're not one offs. They're, yeah. you know, what are the things that you're gonna do in a rhythmic way? And part of that is your thought process. Part yeah. Of that is your mindset. Right. You know, you're not gonna stop taking care of your body because you're still holding on to an intention that yeah. you're gonna be in the NBA. Yeah. You're still going to play basketball because yes. this is your love and you've reconnected to the love of that. Yes. And that's what makes it like a whole new experience. And you have a faith just knowing because you know yourself. Right. That like, oh, right. you know, I know myself. How do you think that's going to translate to being on a team with a bunch of big fish again? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, it's funny that you said that because I was going to almost make you ask me that question. <laughs> I'm thinking about that question. I'm like, wait, Dan, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I personally think that anything that happens in your life almost over and over is something that you nest, that you, that it's just so in your face. It's mm -hmm. something that you have to deal with. Yeah. I've actually started that journey when I was in Evansville. I watched the guys on my team almost change and how they, treated me and almost came to a place where I could feel myself becoming the leader, but it was in a much different way than I had ever thought I was going to do it before. Yeah. Because my talent would scream leader, but yeah. who I was would not. And it wasn't, it, well, my talent wouldn't, I, who I was wouldn't even scream follower. It would just be like, screw everybody. Yeah. Right. And so. You were in it for you. Yeah. And the team. Right. Because the team, you can't do it by yourself. I mean, you really right. have to work together. I know one of the things you struggled with at Arizona was that they expected you to be a leader, but you came in as a freshman and, mm -hmm. you know, the older classmen were like, who the, who are you? Right. <laughs> and I was outperforming them, but then, but then I wasn't, I was outperforming them and then with an attitude of told you so instead of building them up, building and, them up, encouraging them to right. come up to your level. My thing is, is like, I'm actually, I'm, so I'm much more content in just where I am. I'm kind of like a bloom where I'm planted mindset now. So I just have a lot of the question you asked me if I heard you right was, what are you going to do about being another big fish? Or how are you? I mean, right. The NBA is a whole new big level. fishes in a big pond. Yeah. And so it's like, you think you were dealing with egos then. Yeah, exactly. So my thing with that, it's actually funny is I was thinking about that. I was like, dude, like, do you want to deal with that? Like, huh? like, you think you're around people now? Like, dude, that's ego center right there and, it, and 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 if you experience it that for way for some players for others you know it's right. not and so it's right. it's which player are you going to choose to be exactly good point you're making really good points like always but so i'm i'm like in that phase and i'm just like the only thing that i can do is just control myself yeah right and so however i experience if i'm on the team with lebron kobe and everybody else what is there to learn there and if and if you can be open enough to learning, I noticed that all those situations that you can make seem like such a big deal, if you're just open to learning the lesson, those quote unquote problems drop down very quickly. So I'm just kind of like at that, cross that bridge when you get there. Well, I but being aware that it's going to happen. What I'm excited about seeing you where you are now, Sam, is, is that level of self-acceptance, that level of 
being comfortable in your own skin and where you are. Uh, and that's going to make it much easier to wherever you end up, mm -hmm. that, that gets to go with you no matter what. Right. Right. And, um, you know, it's not about going to the next place. So then, you know, it, it, this is really about your own personal performance and pushing yourself to be your best at this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about just love of self and then love of the game reflected onto others. Love of that community of people you're playing with. Yeah. Cause that's like, I believe that's who I'm supposed to be around. Like I, I believe every little thing happens to or for you, for mm -hmm. you. This is, you know, and and when I say that, people go, well, what about this? What about – still. You're a choice. You're a – yeah. It can be hard. It's very it's very damaging to people sometimes to try to even grasp taking responsibility because the things that, that have happened seem so horrific. Mm -hmm. How could I have chosen? But you actually chose the mindset whether you – you chose how to experience it. And, and so, you know, I've, I've had a lot – and I give a brief example when I talk about this so people are more clear is like – I've been in very bad car accidents before and I've been in a car accident with one person. We were in the same car from a different seat perspective, thought mm -hmm. process and all that. I came out with a very positive experience like, oh, well now, you know, that my body got all jumbled up. Now I can go get it put back together and, da, 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 da. and the other person, they're still holding on to it today. Yeah. And the only difference between me and them would just be how I chose to see it. And how you chose to see it. You've also grown up having a lot of body work. Exactly. You know, so your body could move Different through experience. the experience. Your, your, yes. your body could move through the process of that trauma and other things that someone else who hasn't necessarily had the level of body work you have right. over the years. And just like what you did right there is trying to see other people's perspective, even though we can't, is like, hey, I've been more fortunate in some ways. They've been more fortunate in other ways. And just like yeah. once you come to that center with yourself, that's where I think. I've become just unlimitedly accepting to anyone for anything they think, you know, because it's, it's what makes them them. And if I do honestly feel I see someone that I can't accept, I instantly reflect yeah. back inside. And within moments, I can feel acceptance for them because I was able to deal with some emotion or deal with some trauma that I hadn't talked to. And it's just like, you're just constantly just... You started to question and take responsibility for your response to whatever that was and so unbelievable well sam it's been such a delight chatting yeah. with you it's been so much fun doing this little recap of yeah. you know your history of the last seven years and yeah. to see the evolution of how <laughs> you've grown and changed and yeah. you know i've always been impressed with you know your dedication and drive and you know you're just but to see the maturity that's mm. happened in you and the self-acceptance and Man. love is, is really, really sweet. It means everything. Grateful. So. I'm grateful. <laughs> thank you. I feel all the love right now, dude. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Holistic High Performance Podcast. You can find all the past episodes of the show by visiting holistichighperformance.com. Please subscribe to the show to listen to future episodes. We release new episodes every Monday and Thursday. This show would not be possible without the help of our team. We wish to thank our executive assistant, Harlow Brummett Dunn, our producer and chief technical officer, Dan Harmon of DH Productions, our podcast mentor, Angel B. Hartwell, the host and executive producer of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast. Our theme music was composed and arranged by Luca Millard Kish. 
On behalf of the whole team, we wish to thank you, our listeners.